Welcome to FASD Hope, a podcast about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder through the lens of parent advocates with over 18 years of lived experience. FASD Hope provides awareness, information, and inspiration to those people whose lives have been touched by FASD. And I'm the host of FASD Hope, Natalie Vecchione. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Andrea Ferris Roberts, founder and executive director, chief operations officer, and head innkeeper with a mother's rest. An altruist in spirit with a servant's heart, Andrea is the bio mother of two teenage sons. Her eldest, Reese, was born with Down syndrome in 2002. Reese has been the inspiration behind the founding of two charitable organizations. With her career expertise in marketing, sales, and customer support, Andrea founded Reese's Rainbow Down Syndrome Adoption Foundation in 2006, which helped families adopt children with disabilities internationally. In 2010, Andrea was named People Magazine's Hero of the Year and presented with a Congressional Angel and Adoption Award. In 2017, Andrea retired from Reese's Rainbow to begin a mother's rest. Andrea is an out-of-the-box thinker and always seeks to create innovative programs where services are lacking. Her personal experience as a biological parent and in the adoption community lend to her innate understanding of the needs and challenges of many at Mother's Rest's guests. The self-care and well-being of parents, caregivers, and those who have loved ones with disabilities and or chronic illnesses should be priority, not an afterthought. With a passion for history, heritage, and bringing old things back to life, their theme at A Mother's Rest is restoring history, health, heart, and hope. You can't pour from an empty cup. And welcome to FASD Hope, Andrea Roberts. It's nice to have you. Thank you so much. So Andrea is the chief innkeeper, um, executive director, COO of A Mother's Rest. I think this is such a needed organization and such a needed mission that you have. And I am so excited to have you share with us about A Mother's Rest and the many things that you do. Thank you again for joining us. Sure. Um, and it's nice to talk to you. I've texted you, I think a couple of times, I've messaged you many times, emailed you many times, um, but never have been able to speak to you. So I'm happy to talk to you. Let's talk about your parenting journey and what led you to where you are today. So, you know, how did you become a mom, particularly a mom of a kid with special needs? And good clarification. <laughs> like, surely you know how that works, right? Exactly. This is not an explicit show. So. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Just let's talk about your parenting journey and, and because yours is a really interesting journey, especially um, just with the awards you've won and uh, with the different roads you've taken in your career. Whenever uh, you shall I start at the beginning? Where, where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I guess, why don't we um, just start with uh, talking about, you know, when you became a parent and then when things kind of started rolling more into advocacy. Sure. Uh, so my firstborn child uh, was uh, Reese, R-E-E-C-E. 
he was born with Down syndrome and we were not expecting that. He was not, uh, we did not have a prenatal diagnosis. I was only uh, 29 when he was born. And so that was quite a shocker. A lot of people, I don't know, I guess over the last, you know, 18 years, you, you know, I have found a lot of people have been able to deal with diagnoses, uh, unexpected diagnoses better when their child is second or third or fourth in the birth order. Uh, but when you are a first time parent and you don't know what you're doing and you have all these hopes and dreams and plans and visions for what being a mom is going to be like, and then even somebody of faith um, doesn't always take that shock as, I don't know, how do I say this? I just have, I have never still, even today, I've never been able to really cope with it uh, the way that, the way that other people have. I think especially, and you, you really hit it on the nail on the head, talking about he's your first child. When your first child is born with a special needs, it really does throw you off. Like I think in so many more ways than one, because like you said, you have these expectations and these hopes and, and you do have to go through a process and including, you know, a grieving process of what, you know, what you expected is, is not what is going to happen. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, you know, you're going through all of the hormonal changes yeah. after a birth and, um, you know, I ended up walking away from my lucrative grown up career uh, to stay home with him, you know, feeling that that was his best chance to have, you know, the best early start that he could. That was never in my plan. I know many, many moms that's, you know, what they love to do is just to be a mom. And I don't, you know, don't use the word stay at home mom as a derogatory term. That just was never something that I ever, ever wanted for myself. You know, I had a, a, a really good career that I enjoyed. And so, you know, not only did I at that time lose, at least it felt like I was losing uh, everything that I had hoped for my child, you know, my entire world literally got flipped upside down in a period of an hour. So, and I, you know, even, you know, so even looking back now, you know, obviously it's, it's pretty clear that God had a plan there and everything that I have done with my life as a result of Reese being born the way that he was, um, makes it pretty obvious. That doesn't mean that I ever have come to terms with it or that I like it or that I want my child to struggle or that I have to worry about what his adult life is going to be like. You know, I mean, I think that a lot of my fears are very normal. I probably hold on to them a lot of a lot longer and stronger than most people. And but at least I am aware of that in myself. And, you know, Mother's Rest was kind of uh, almost my own cry for help because I was overwhelmed and fearful and still grieving even after 15 years and um, needed my own place to be able to talk about my own parenting journey without leading. You know, I spent so, so many years, 11 years leading his adoption ministry. Um, I, I didn't really have a time to let down, let go yeah. of that. So, and I didn't realize how close in age our sons are because Nick was also born in 2002 also. Oh, okay. So, you know, now 
comes with 18, a whole new process of, you know, all of that paperwork and all of that, you know, planning and all the stuff you have to sign and the stuff you have to think about. So I feel like, I don't know if you found this since Reese turned 18, but it's almost like you ha- you have to start the process over again a little bit, you know, yeah. because- Oh, very much. And, you know, a previous guest had said, because she also has an, a, an adult son that has a, a developmental disability. And she said, you know, the grieving, it comes back. It's different, but it comes back because that 18 is such a milestone, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's so many things that, oh, they're 18 expectations, you know, and, and what the outside world thinks and what we know, okay, these are what can actually happen. So don't even get me started on the whole, my goodness, the the legal guardianship part (laughs) of that. Okay. Like, I know, yeah, we could, we could talk for hours about my philosophical position on the whole guardianship thing, because that that just opens a whole nother can of worms. You, when you talk about feeling Mm. like you're starting over, yeah. Yeah. That by itself, yes. having to give your child up as a ward of the state and then letting the state decide that you get to be his legal guardian. Oh, I'm my like, goodness. okay, what? Yeah. yeah there's all there's a whole nother can of worms we oh, can yeah. talk about. But I, can I, will, Im- I digress. <laughs> I can no, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, thankfully for us, we're we're starting out with a POA and and starting out like slowly because you know, there's so many, I guess, different levels here in North Carolina of guardianship and, uh-huh. and you know, and we met with a few kind of experts and they were like, yeah, let's start with a, you know, a POA and start with, you know, that and kind of ease our way into it. But not only that, but then just all of the other stuff, you know, like um, the, oh gosh, what do they call it? The special needs trust funds and, um, yeah. you know, all that stuff. And, and mm-hmm. uh, just, yeah, it, it's just, oh. It's, it's never ending. And so, you know, like you spend all, all of your time hoping, you know, every, every year that goes by, you keep hoping for more, you keep hoping your child's going to reach a different milestone, Um, you know, and then there comes a point where you realize, okay, he has plateaued and this is just the person that he's going to be. And there is a, that, that in and of itself is a freeing moment a yes. liberating moment when you yeah. actually reach that space yeah because you spend all of the ahead of that pushing and begging for other opportunities when maybe that's not the right thing for him you know Reese Reese himself you know we hate to compare our kids right but you kind of have to there's but you know cognitively speaking he's really not even quite a kindergartner he still spends all of his time watching Elmo yeah. So I have a permanent toddler mm-hmm. at the age of 18 at the age of 18. Yeah. And um, that's hard because yeah. that is, you know, still yeah. just constant care for the rest of my life and the rest yeah. of his. That's what led. I did not, you know, reading your story and reading your bio, I didn't even realize, you know, how you were honored by people magazine and all of your work before mother's rest. Uh-huh. So can you talk a little bit about that before we talk more about, respite and a mother's rest and, and just that journey? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am also the founder at, and well, I'll always be the founder, I guess, but I was the, also the executive director for the Reese's Rainbow Down Syndrome Adoption Grant Foundation. I started that in 2006, obviously in his, uh, with his inspiration anyway. Um, you know, and at four years old, he was this little doll baby of a mush 
And uh, somehow I, I found out what happens to children with Down syndrome in other countries. And I was just not okay with that. But they are abandoned at birth for the most part. They are aborted very early or all, almost all the time in certain countries at a you know, 99% rate. Um, and the ones that, you know, in the countries like Russia, Ukraine, Bulgaria, Serbia, other, you know, other places throughout China, other places throughout the world where mothers may not have maternal care, you know, the babies are abandoned at birth. And then by the time they turn four, they get sent to adult mental institutions. It, it's really, really hard to process. And so when I learned about that, I was just like, okay, well, that's just not okay. And my career before Reese was born was in marketing and sales. And so I just kind of naturally fell into this. All right, well, let me see what I can do. And I put together a website and I just started uh, reaching out to adoption agencies who might be able to help me identify children with Down syndrome at first. And then it grew into other disabilities uh, to be able to list them as such and make people who wanted to adopt them, you know, have kind of, I don't want to say a one-stop shop, but a one-stop shop. So they could see that these children were waiting and in need of families. And the goal was to raise money for each of those children individually um, as an adoption grant to make it easier or to, you know, potentially even eliminate the financial barrier uh, that many families face in completing international adoption. And so adoption was not the right choice for us. I was overwhelmed and I had no idea what else was coming with Reese, but at the very least I could do was to help other families who were really cut out for that and wanted to do that, um, be able to without the financial burden. So that's, that's where Reese's Rainbow was born. And I ran that for 11 years. And in that time, uh, you know, we helped over 1800 children find adoptive families here in the United States and from, you know, some 20 countries abroad. Wow. Yeah. And that's where my, the awards from in people magazine and the congressional angel and adoption award came from. It was very rewarding, obviously very rewarding. Um, and I think that I started that very much as a, with the hopes anyway, that it would be some kind of therapeutic place for me. Uh, to surround myself with other people who would choose a life raising a child with Down syndrome, you know, not just end up with a lot of that life, but to actually intentionally choose it. And it was wonderful to see all of these people and to surround myself with all of these people. But when you're leading an organization, uh, you kind of have to um, carry the high road and be the, you know, the leader and not one of them. And so that, that was difficult in hindsight, that, that kind of uh, was, was very much what led me to retiring from that and starting a mother's rest because I was burned out and, you know, and that if any of my Reese's rainbow families are listening to this, I love all of you. <laughs> okay. But, um, and, and many of them came with me to a mother's rest because I knew that yeah. they were burned out too. Okay. Yeah. So like, we have to be honest about that, that when 100%. you're caring for somebody with a child with any yes. kind of disability, okay. Yes. It can, it can burn you out if you don't take care of yourself. And yeah. I know from personal experience that when you don't, you end up like me. Yeah. And that is not the good, that's not the best place to be. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I can tell you that just in, 
you know, the circles of support groups and different things like that, the majority of people I speak with are like you and like me too, because I'm in good company with you that you and I both, and I love your, your, your saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. And however, the people who are, who, who are trying to help people, our cups are not even just empty. They're like bone dry. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's, it's, but yet again, we, we know, I think that so many advocates in the special needs community and in the disabilities community are parents and family members and loved ones because we want to help others. We, we know what it's like being in those trenches, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how exhausting it is and how even just a little bit of respite can make you feel like, you know, your, your batteries charged up, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So you started a mother's rest in 2017 and I've been following you probably since about 2018. And I think in the past few years, you you've just really grown. Let's talk about um, AMR and and your growth and expansion because you you've gone from just starting kind of helping these weekends to like, oh my goodness, you have so many things to offer. Yeah, we really have. And, um, you know, there really when it's kind of funny when I look back on what I envisioned in the very beginning, how, how different it has turned out. Like, you know, I had this particular plan, right. And God's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, (laughs) start here first. So, you know, you kind of have to go with those, those, um, ebbs and flows, but, you know, to give me the, the ideas that I had really is just recognizing the things that are missing in the support services that we, you know, that we as a community just don't have or don't have enough of. And so that's really kind of what a mother's rest was meant to be. It was just to fill in the gaps uh, where, you know, the things that we don't have. So one of the, one of the things a mother's rest, what makes a mother's rest different is that we're not just sending a caregiver into your home to watch your child or to take your child out for a couple of hours or whatever, you know, just long enough for you to take a shower. The point is to remove you from your caregiving environment so that your body can actually decompress and you can be in the fellowship of others who really already get your life. It's very different than just, you know, anybody could just go to a hotel for two nights and just be by themselves and get a break, but that's not the same. So our program is very much around being with the others who who are living your life. And whether that's a um, diagnosis specific retreat or just general, you know, any special needs mom happens to be there that weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, people are able to build organic therapeutic conversation, but also have the time away from their regular life responsibilities, even if that's just the freaking dishes. Okay. Like, (laughs) and I don't even care. I mean, we're so freestyle. I don't care if you shower for three days. I don't usually shower for three days. I open that. Okay. Everybody, I don't, three days go by in my regular everyday life and I don't shower. So, you know, the, the goal is to give people the freedom to do nothing. Yeah. And it's hard. Yeah. Because moms walk in the door and they're like, well, now what do I do? Exactly. Exactly. So there's this whole paradigm shift that a mother's rest, the goal is to create a shift in the thinking 
of these moms and caregivers um, to encourage you to put yourself on your own to-do list and to let go of some of the guilt, shame, um, anxiety, and all of this is self-imposed. Okay. We do this yeah. to ourselves. I mean, yeah. it's, it's dumb, but we do it. Um, that, that, you know, we're the only ones who can take care of our kids. And of course, in some instances, there are certainly families who just don't have any support and, you know, can't participate here, but just to be able to change the minds, uh, you know, and the mindset of some of these moms and caregivers that, you know what, I'm going to do this for myself because doing this for myself is actually a benefit to my family. Yeah. And we oftentimes as caregivers, we forget like what we actually enjoy and what our interests are and things, you know, we did prior to caregiving. So Uh it's funny. I mean, to be able to step out and it's almost, I think it's beyond respite. It's, you know, it's renewing yourself, rediscovering yourself. I think that's, that's a huge key of it. Remembering that you, that you, you were is still in there. Um, because we do, we, we fall very, very deeply into what it is that we have to do on a regular basis. It becomes automatic, you know, don't, you're not even thinking about it really. And we just forget that the person we were is still there, or we come to think sadly that they're not. And that's usually not true. And what we found in these women who have come on these retreats is just, yeah, it's, it's everything that I, I thought that it would be. Yeah, they they feel the way that I expected that they would feel at the end. Like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this sooner? Mm -hmm. And when's the next one? Yes, Uh, that's that's the victory. Is when those ladies say to me, "Why didn't I come sooner?" Yeah. And I also know you have programs for dads. Yes, so we love to have the guys come out. Now they don't tend to come as often as the moms because guys are guys. Um, they had, they just have a different way of yeah. coping with the stress in yeah. their, in their life. Exactly. Um, they have a different way of wanting to release said stress. Uh, and so coming on respite retreats with a bunch of guys that they don't know is not always, you know, the best or right thing for them, but we do host these retreats and we all have a private Facebook group just for the guys, not just dads, but you know, any men who are caregivers, it's called the Atlas club. Um, and they are, um, you know, we named it that because they are carrying their families mm-hmm. on their shoulders or carrying or feel like they're carrying the world on their shoulders. And we try to give them opportunities to um, have as much fun as the ladies do. And even when they come right. on retreat, they don't talk about their kids. Right. It's just they the don't. connection though. They're no. connecting on yeah. other levels. They're, uh-huh. they're looking for other ways that they might uh, have common interests together or yes. whatever. And they want to do every, anything but right. talk about their kids. Right. Not because they hate their kids, no, but that's just, just their, that's their release mechanism. Yes. That's they're, they're removing themselves from yes. that. And so they will do that. They will come, they will watch TV. They'll go hiking. We have a lot, you know, even in Maryland and in Georgia, both have just great places to go visit, be outdoors, historic places to see. Like there's lots of things that you can do, or you can just stay in your room and sleep. The guys, sometimes <laughs> yeah. the guys just sleep. So we have, okay. So you have the dad's group, we have the moms, siblings. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other programs and I know you have, um, retreats geared towards sometimes specific diagnoses. Yes. Um, and then sometimes actually I, if I am correct, Andrea, do you have retreats also for spouses of 
those who have a diagnosis? Yes, we do. Um, so it's, you know, really we can set any of those up and that's the freedom that we have in owning our own respite ends. Nice. Um, anybody who wants to schedule something that is specific, all I have to do is message me and say, Hey, when's the next date and can we set this up? So, uh, you know, one of the groups of people that we do serve, uh, are military families, Oh, nice. a lot of caregivers who, you know, wives, especially, um, of injured or just struggling veterans. Um, but it can be anybody that's a wife or a husband, you know, somebody who's yeah. been in a car accident or has is struggling with cancer or, you know, whatever we can do, whatever. So we also do couples retreats as well so that we can uh, try to serve the marriage and keep the marriage going. Wonderful. So. Wonderful. And I know we had spoken a couple of times. I think we were talking about maybe getting a retreat going for um, caregivers of, of kids with FASD um, yes. affected by F- F- FASD. So if you're listening, hopefully sometime we'll, um, you know, I'll talk to Andrea about that, but if we can get that going, we'll, we'll list that on our website and hopefully that w- it won't be just one. Hopefully there'll be, you know, as a many as you all want, that you know, anybody wonderful. can call me up and say, or, you know, on Facebook messenger is really the best way to reach me nice. and just to say, Hey, is there, do you have any weekends available nice. in Georgia or in Maryland for FASD moms? So and we just schedule it. It's, I mean, it's that easy. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So if you're listening and if you want to do that, I'm going to put Andrea's information in our program notes, but know that this wonderful resource, Andrea and, and just the whole AMR team is just such a wonderful resource. And I'm so, so thankful for, for everything you do. Um, let's talk a little bit about the inns. We were talking before, uh, before we started recording about finishing up the Georgia Inn. Tell me a little bit about the style of each inn. Do you have one in Maryland and one in Georgia? Um, so the inn in uh, Maryland is a 1798 tavern home. Wow. Uh, it was one of the town's first taverns there in a federal style. Uh, but it's got a lot of really great nooks and crannies and uh, we are able to host seven guests at a time there. Um, That is located on a historic Main Street uh, district. So uh, you can walk out the front door and there's shops and restaurants and all that kind of stuff. So it's really a a really cool place, but we've got half an acre, um, a beautiful backyard uh, that you can rest in and just uh, really, it's just a very nice, comfortable place. And then in Georgia, the house there, is a Greek revival was built in 1879 uh, so it's more in the Victorian style and I have decorated it as such with period antiques but also you know comfortable usable snuggling curling in a corner furniture (laughs) so we also have a pool there a beautiful in-ground pool uh, as well as a, a cottage uh, so we have two rooms in the cottage and then we have five rooms in the manor house each with their private private and shared bathrooms. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And in addition, then you have, you know, other inns around the country that you have worked with to have, you know, so not, not only your, your two flagship inns, but you also work with other bed and breakfast inns, whatnot around the country. In addition to, to cruise lines and whatnot, I, I, I just, I love hearing how much <laughs> you've expanded in the past. Yeah. Years. You know, I mean, it actually started with the group of other bed and breakfasts because right. there was no, That's right. uh, you know, capital outlay. 
for that. That was building relationships and, and just reaching out to all the B&Bs in every state. And so that's what we did is we made a database of every bed yeah. and breakfast in every state and reached out to them. And we continue to reach out to them yeah. you know, every couple of months just to see if there are any new new folks that want to jump in. Um, but that's, you know, we're so grateful. We call that network the porch partners. Uh, most B&Bs have porches to sit on and they're very yeah. welcoming and comfortable and safe. So um, at one point we had nearly 40 porch partners but during this year. We've lost at least yeah. six um, that have gone out of business because of COVID and the lockdowns and restrictions and uh, yeah. some of the states that we were, were working in. Um, but we've also brought on 11 new ones. Yeah, it's uh, pretty amazing to be able to reach, you know, as many as we can. And that's really our hope is to continue growing that, yes, um, you know, in perpetuity so that we always have coverage where we need it. And there are a lot of states that we're still not able to serve right, uh, right yet. But it's just, you know, it's got great potential to keep growing because there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of B&Bs, 8,000 of them. But oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. That's oh. good to know. Yeah. So, so let's talk about... Um, COVID. Unfortunately, that has changed everything. In fact, I had planned, I was scheduled to go on a retreat and COVID happened. And, you know, again, with, with both my kids having underlying medical conditions, I had to cancel, but how have things changed? Are, you know, are you hearing from INS about what they're doing to address issues as far as just keeping things sanitary? How, how have, I am sure that it has impacted AMR. How are you all coping with COVID-19? Um, well, it, 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 I think the emotional toll has been greater than anything else. Um, for me anyway, as, as leader of the organization, because, um, these lockdowns have really hit me very hard personally, uh, just as an individual, uh, not that I don't understand the need, um, and fear of the, of the virus, but just, um, it's just been very hard for me to watch so many families who are already isolated yeah. Um, yeah. by, you know, with their children yes. uh, to be further yeah. isolated yeah. and also be living in fear yeah. of this and fear of carrying it to their children and having to, like you, mm-hmm. uh, give up yeah. the opportunity that you had to rest and that you needed so desperately, even more so this year than any other, probably, um, that you had to give that up because of it. And so... I have really struggled with that just as, yeah. as emotionally, I can yeah. imagine. Um, you know, and obviously there's a lot of uh, financial uncertainty. You know, families are not, yeah. you know, every family has been hit differently. Let's yeah. put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, whether they've been able to continue working remotely from home or if they have been on the front lines, you know, as an essential worker or, yeah. you know, every, everybody's just been hit differently financially at home. So yeah. donations have changed. Um don't feel good about, you know, normally when you go to have a fundraiser, you're all psyched up and excited and, mm-hmm. you know, you're, but, and I like, I don't even want to come to our people and ask them for a penny because yeah. everybody's struggling. Right. So I'm yeah. carrying that on my shoulders and in my heart for all of you. Yeah. Um, but the fact remains that without funding, even just $20 a month or whatever, I mean, anything, right that you guys can give, you know, we have to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, we have a completely volunteer staff that includes me and, but the insurance at both of our ends has to be paid. The utilities have to be paid. Yeah. The, you know, everything's still got to be paid, whether we have guests or not. I remember when I canceled 
and talked about, and you said, you know, you, you can, you know, I'm certainly, I understand, you know, I can talk to you about refunding, you know, part of it or refunding it. And, and I prayed and I talked to my husband and he said, donate it, just let AMR have it. They're so so needed. And I remember verbatim your response, Andrea, you said, you just paid my light bill for next month. Yep. And that just sunk in my heart. I felt like that was the Lord telling me, okay, yeah, you, you, you did the right thing, you know, because you don't realize the impact of how isolating it is, whether it be being caregiver of, of someone with a disability, any type of, if you're in any type of situation, or if you have, for example, PTSD, or if you have any type of um, condition that puts you you know, at higher risk for isolation, then something like COVID-19 just magnifies that exponentially, knowing that no matter what you can donate. And if you're listening to me, AMR is such a wonderful nonprofit charity. And I know you were also recently named a top nonprofit. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so if you are listening and if you are able to donate to keep AMR going again, I consider what you do is you're giving back so much to those people who need respite and who, who don't get it. So I can only imagine how COVID-19 has magnified it, and, you know, and I, I hope and pray that especially as we get into spring of 2021 and we get more towards things looking brighter, that people can start getting respite back in their heads again and, yeah. and start getting renewal back in their heads again. What Are there any extra steps that you're taking either at your um, ends or anywhere else that they're just doing to make sure that people are are safe for those who are continuing to do respite retreat? Uh, you know, uh, we're just the same, really, I mean, the same cleaning process that we would do any other time. I mean, you know, but we, um, because our retreats are only on the weekends, you know, we have several days in during the week when we don't have guests there. So, you know, any possibility of, you know, the virus still clinging to the stairwell or something like you know that just that time yeah um, you know but we do I mean we have plenty of hand sanitizer hand soap you know Clorox wipes gloves masks if anybody wants to wear them and we are well within any group number limitations we only have seven really have seven people there at any given time that's good to know that's good to know you know people it's knock on wood you know we have not had any had any uh problems or contact rates at all so that's good to know. That's good. To and, know. and I think it's probably the same uh, or very similar anyway at all the other porch partners. Too. Right. They, they may yeah. be having guests during the week, but I think they are having to go above and beyond right. in their cleaning process uh, yeah. to truly disinfect every square inch of everything. Right. So, you know, we're just, you know, I don't want to say taking a um, laissez-faire approach, but letting people make that decision, you know, right. if they're not comfortable coming or if they've been exposed to somebody recently right, right. and don't want to take the risk, we just ask that they be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, even if that means giving up their respite weekend, yeah. please be honest and don't risk Absolutely. others um, when you know that you've been exposed. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because we don't want to, you know, end up having to shut the, pl- shut the place down for two weeks because right. we get hit with a con- contact tracing situation and 
you know, what have you. So absolutely. What are any plans for 2021 or just continue having the retreats or anything? Well, you know, we actually have an opportunity and I haven't really discussed this openly with our group, but, you know, we have an opportunity to purchase a really amazing third place. Um, Our main donor who has been so uh, generous in supporting the purchase of our two ends is not in a position to do so in 2021. So we're kind of looking outside into other potential opportunities that I know people are going to need this even more in the coming years as a result of the PTSD that we're From all going to have coming exactly. out of this, right? Okay, so exactly. like I can, you know, I'll spend a day or two crawled in a hole in my house in my pajamas crying myself to sleep. But then the next day I'm like, okay, I've got that out of my system. Yeah. And what, yeah. what do we need to do now? Because, you know, letting go or not growing or being afraid to grow or being right. afraid to take on another property or being afraid to jump into new relationships with other porch partners, that's not helping anybody, okay? I'm hurting myself and I'm hurting everybody else by being afraid, and I can't help it. That's just my nature, I'm fearful, but the courage is when you just push through it, right? Yes. So, and I'm very fortunate to have an amazing team of of women uh, around me who helped help me to stay grounded and um, just kind of let me cry myself out and then be like, okay, ready? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. That's, you know, so it's, it's wonderful to have them. So we're, we're open to growing whenever God drops that in our lap. We know that the need is there and it's everywhere and it's all the time and it's going to continue to increase. So the more people that we can serve, the better. I wanted you to be on our podcast because again, I think you're such a resource to um, not only the FASD community, but to all communities, because Respite is something that is so essential and it's usually the last thing on our list, you know, and it's my job to put it at the top of your list. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And I I just love your passion for advocacy too. And I I hope someday we can meet each other in person because I have a feeling- (laughs) I have a feeling we would have a great time. Probably so. (laughs) (laughs) So before we end today's awesome episode um, is we're titling it respite is essential. I'd like to end on a, what I call a hope takeaway for our audience. What are just some words of hope that you can offer to parents or caregivers of loved ones? of those with special needs or developmental disabilities, or, or just those who need to hear some words of hope to get them through, especially knowing both your personal and professional journeys. What I would say to all of you women, especially is that you are still in there. You are still in there person that you were before you became a caregiver is still in there. You are changed in good and bad ways, but don't lose that person when I am giving you the opportunity to rediscover that you're still in there. I know that a lot of, a lot of families, you know, we have a lot of single moms um, who just don't have coverage. And that pains me that I can't help everyone because my whole purpose in this is just to be able to say yes. Now, if you need a grant, yes, 
you need an, a new a weekend. Yes, just come. Yes, just don't for don't let go of you. Because I did that. I forgot who I really was, and I've had to carry that, you know, for eighteen years. And and it's only now that I have turned my focus to uh, respite and um, rediscovering yourself that I've been able to uh, find my own self again. And I don't get a lot of rest, but I don't get, I don't get to go away on these weekends very often, you know, myself, but it gives me something to focus on for, for you all and knowing that it's making such a difference in your lives. And I encourage, especially new moms, younger moms, whose kids may not, you know, they may not be 15 years in, right? Make this a regular part of your health regimen. Make these retreats part of your regular to-do list every year, several times a year, if you're able to do it. Because you will know that you're not alone. You will always know that you have hope that there's your retreats coming up soon. You have something to look forward to when the rest of us who have not had that, you know, don't have the benefit of that. So definitely don't, don't wait until you're so strung out that <laughs> to come, don't wait, you know, don't wait until you're like us, <laughs> right. You know, like calm just because it's here, yeah. calm because it's fun, calm because it's a break for you, calm because you're going to learn from other moms who are living your life, whatever stage they're at. And I love how you said that, Andrea, make it part of your healthcare. That yeah. is, that is gold right there. Make respite part of your healthcare, part of your health plan, just like getting a mammogram or going, you know, to your annual visit, make your respite part of your healthcare. Yep. Um, that is, that is gold. I love that. I love that. Andrea, thank you so much for being on FASD hope. And you are such a blessing. I'm just so thankful to know you. So Andrea, before we go, can you give us your contact information and your website and how we can follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so the best way to reach me is on Facebook Messenger, um, but you can also email me if that's easier for you. And that email address is innkeeper, in I-N-N-K-E-E-P-E-R, innkeeper, at amothersrest.org. And I can get back to you. I usually get back to you right away. Uh, the running joke is that it's either a three-second response time or a three-week response time. So, like, you don't hear from me within 24 hours, email me again because that's it just got buried. I love that. Um, and I, I know that firsthand, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, like, it's either, like, I'm right here or it's like, that's oh, crap, right. I forgot we were having our call tonight, right? That's, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the reality of my life because yeah. I am running yeah. most of this yeah. myself. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's my email address. Our main website is www.amothersrest.org. And you can spend some time just going through that, looking at some of our programs, looking at some of our future plans. Um, you know, and certainly I like feedback. I want to hear what makes our website easy to use, what makes it difficult to navigate. Like I like to have that feedback. So please uh, don't ever hesitate to share that with me in a nice, loving way. <laughs> Um, we also, we do have a wonderful Facebook support group, yes. a private support group. Yes. We have a public page for Mother's Rest, and we also have a public page for each of our flagship inns. 
And then we also have the private Facebook group for the dads, which is that Atlas Club. Yes. And all of those links can be found on our website. So yes. I will uh, let people visit the website there and then um, and be able to get those, those links there. Or you can include some of yes. them. Yes. And actually I'll put, notes. yeah, I'll put most of that in our uh, program notes. Andrea, thank you again for being on FASD Hope. And again, thank you for all you do. You are such a blessing to so many. And I am just so thankful to to say that I know you. So yay, yay, AMR. Thanks again for listening to FASD Hope with Natalie Vecchione. If you like our show and want more information, check out FASDHope.com. Or please leave us a five-star rating and follow us on Podbean, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you join us next week. And remember to be informed, take care, and always have hope.